eight games, a new record in the National Hockey League for games that go to overtime or a shootout in one day in league history. Parody? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, all these games are being decided via three-on-three or shootout, and the bonus points being given out each and every game. That's maybe one of the reasons why we look at the standings and say, what? The Anaheim Ducks, are st- or they've won two games in two months, and they're still within touching distance of a playoff spot? Let's bring in someone that knows better than you and I. It is Travis Yost at Travis Yost. What's going on, pal? How are you? Who is your guest? Because I certainly don't know better than you or anyone else. So <laughs> let me know who you're bringing on. I was assuming it was you. Well, maybe, can you pretend? <laughs> can we can we pretend that you do? We can pretend for tonight and tonight only. I looked at that last night, and I'm saying, what an absolute headache. I don't know if these teams are playing for the overtime point. I don't know if it's just working out that way. But parity, to a certain degree, provides some intrigue. But isn't this taking things a little bit too far? Yeah, this actually dovetails with a couple things I've just by sheer coincidence have written about. But um, number one, um, this is the problem with the third point being allocated. The NHL has always recognized it as – I don't know that the the primary driver of why the third point was introduced was because of this, but the league has latched on because it has created a false sense of parity within the NHL standings. And I'll, I'll call back to an analysis done years ago by Phil Birnbaum um, that, that I always point back to, which is this. It, it used to take about 36, 37 games, about half the season, uh, where we would start to be very confident that the teams at the top of the standings had more talent than the teams at the bottom of the standings. Since the introduction of the third point, it takes almost 72 games for that to materialize. And, and put, that, put that in perspective now. That is well beyond the trade deadline. That's, that you're, you're talking effectively 9 to 10 games out from the end of the season before we're really confident in the results. And if you think that that doesn't pass a smell test, I just point you directly to the NHL standings. I mean, as we sit here today, yes, Tampa Bay's at the top and Ottawa's at the bottom, and we feel good about that, and we would have guessed that. And then now look at the middle, and it's how do you discern between Minnesota, St. Louis, Carolina, like you know the the two hot two of the hotter teams of late in the bottom third of the standings have been the Blues and the Hurricanes, and recency bias or not, I, I don't know anyone who would want to play either of the Blues or the Hurricanes right now relative to the likes of the Stars or the Ducks or the Blue Jackets even to some degree, and you kind of just go on and on and on. Um, it definitely does uh, emphasize your point, though, which is you've got this like crazy muddy middle of like 12 teams where you're like, yeah, we have utterly no idea how to differentiate between these teams because the standings and point allocation are so close. But I, I, will, I will put one note on there at the sure. end of this. I, I wrote about overtime last week. Um, if you believe that overtime is a much better way to generate a result than the shootout, like I do, and I think – Probably most people do. If the NHL would increase overtime by about three minutes and have about an eight-ish minute overtime in total, uh, same rules apply, they could finish more than 90% of games in overtime. And right now they finish, I think it's like 73 74%. So effectively one in four games that have a third point attached still go to the shootout. So, you know, three-on-three three overtime has been a big hit, but you wonder if they should extend it a little more. Well, and at, the, at the same time, I just don't think there's a willpower to get rid of the shootout. The problem is it's still three-on-three, three, right? Like, 
I, I totally get that three-on-three hockey's popular, and I appreciate that. I'm entertained, Travis, but when it gets down to it, then just reward teams for winning in regulation. This is what I have a hard time differentiating, is this logjam between teams and the fact that all these teams are other... I assume they're playing for the overtime point. Like, we were on air last night. I said, watch. Carolina and Buffalo both need at least a point here. Like, this game's going overtime. Lo and behold, boom. Like, that was predictable. I just don't know if if the parity is coming from the salary cap or is it coming from the point system. No, you're, you're, and you're preaching to the choir on this. Let me be clear. I've, I've proposed increasing the length of overtime only because I'm very confident that the NHL, for some reason, likes a three-point system, which really doesn't make any sense, right? You can go into a game on any given night, and, you know, it's noon, You've got an important game, let's say, against Buffalo, and it's, is this a two-point game or a three-point game? I mean, the mere fact that you have to ask how many points are actually on the line on a given night is, is seems a little bit crazy to me. I, I am a, a, a staunch advocate of any proposal that removes that third point, whether it's you just go straight to a tie after 60 minutes, maybe you play overtime, to uh, a five-minute overtime um, that, that basically allocates all two points to the winning team, or maybe at the end of 65 minutes, the team split the point, and that's it. That's the end of the game. Like, all three of those proposals I think are much better. I think fans would be okay with it, and I, I, I think it would reduce the – and I, you say parity, but it's really false parity. It's, it's a lot of teams hanging around because they accumulate a ton of points through the shootout and overtime um, disproportionately to other teams around the league. At least one team every year, if you go look back at the standings, at least one team every year makes the playoffs, largely because they accumulated many more overtime loss and shootout loss points than any of their competitors. Which seems insane that that's the reason why. Travis Yost joining me on the line, at Travis Yost. So backing up and just backing up your point here, you know the numbers better than I do, and I can definitely say that's true. Uh, (laughs) Do the numbers bear that as well, that there is clearly defined kind of groups of teams, like different levels of standards of teams within this league? Or is the salary cap just creating a bunch of mushy middle, basically, between, you know, number three in the league all the way down to, like, 25? I I think it's... uh, I'm going to sit on the fence on this question, but here's how I'll answer it. It, there's, a, there's, to me, three tiers. There are the elite teams in the league that are very obvious, and there's about six of them, I want to say, this year. Um, there are just horrible lottery-bound teams, and there's another six of those. And then that middle group of teams, seven through 22, effectively, is basically the reason why everyone loves the NHL playoffs, at least in the old format, maybe not the new one, and can point to it and say, man, the league is so unpredictable because you get all of these quasi two six three seven upsets um, because there's really not a lot to differentiate between those teams on a talent perspective. I would argue this, and I've argued this. This is this is my Lincoln on my Mount Rushmore of Travis Yost arguments. I, I firmly believe a soft salary cap, uh, not dissimilar to the one that the NBA has, would benefit this league. It would allow it Thank would allow you. bigger market teams to spend more aggressively. It would create more revenue-sharing opportunity for smaller market teams. And the league, let's be clear, has a small market problem even to this day. Um, and, and it would create more of a divide between the teams that are serious about contending now versus kind of running on this treadmill of mediocrity. So, you know, <sighs> we can you probably talk that. about that for an no, hour. Like, that's, I, that's a lot of theory. But, I, you know, I've, 
I've long believed that the NHL's kind of capped its growth a little bit because of this hard cap. I'm so happy you said that because uh, Gino Reda and I, and I love Gino. He's a great guy. Like um, my my buddy, we got into an argument in studio on the show on Wednesday because I was advocating for a soft cap because it's it's about making sure the teams can spend, can reward their fans by keeping players. Like this is the problem that the Maple Leafs are facing, right? That you're going to have to take away something that you might have cultivated or developed because of some archaic hard cap. Like, it seems to me that any league, a soft cap makes a lot more sense, is more fan-friendly, and you can reward, reward teams a little bit more for work that they do internally. Again, you're nailing the point here, which is we can talk about a team like Toronto. Let's say they spent into a soft cap, right? That money's going to matriculate through the rest of the league. Remind me, sir, when is the last time Ottawa and, and Arizona and Florida in real dollars, not cap, have spent within the top five in the league. I mean, you, you Never? have to go back decades if it has even ever happened. And the, the point being that this notion that a hard cap creates spending, you know, a, a level playing field for spending is, is ludicrous. So my point is, let these bigger market teams spend to create more wealth around the league. And guess what? When you spend more and you, hit, if you, you increase the threshold, there's a thing called the luxury tax. And guess what? In the NBA, a lot of teams don't like paying the luxury tax in the first place. So it allows teams, when they have a serious, serious window, to spend and pay a tax to the rest of the league. And guess what? That doesn't guarantee success. It may help drive it a little bit, but we see teams in the NBA all of the time get into issues with, with the salary cap and the luxury tax. Look at Oklahoma City and, and uh, Washington Wizards, two quick examples. Um, that, that immediately work their way back to, ooh, yeah, this is a little much. We're, we're not as comfortable with that. It, it creates competitive spending across the league. Buddy, you nailed it. Like, that was a Mount Rushmore of interviews right there. Um, <laughs> like, mic drop. Uh, let's end on this note. Uh, who do you like tomorrow, Hobbs or Leafs? Oh, man, I like the Leafs, but I got to say, I don't care if you're the biggest Maple Leafs fan in the world. You got to tip your cap to Montreal this year. Talk right. about a roster that no one expected to really be even decent, including myself, they are a scrappy, fighty, they'll, you know, scratch and claw for 60 minutes. I have full full respect for that team, uh, regardless of what happens with their playoff fate. Great stuff, pal. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for doing this. Take care, bud. Travis Yost at Travis Yost.